We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Let me just take a moment to share with you a couple of quick stories, and then I have a word for this house today. As my wife said, we're focusing on pastors and leaders. I don't tell the pastors, I don't go there to do the work of God for you. I come here to join you by helping train you and prepare you and your people to do the call of God where you are. I went to a city called Terrapoto. I was talking to the pastors there. I got an invitation. I went. And everything we do is by invitation because of relationship. We don't go looking for pastors. We develop relationships, and then God opens the doors. And the pastor began to weep after I began to talk to him about the university program and how it works and what, how he could help train his people and use it. And I stopped and looked, and I asked my interpreter, I said, find out what, what's going on here because he's crying and this guy's crying. I don't know, two, two men crying that and no women crying. That's a problem. Something else is going on. And this is what they told me. We have been praying for 10 years for God to send somebody to our city to help train us to do the work God has called us to do. If that doesn't break your heart, we need to pray for your heart. You know, we get a call through a man in the church who's helping to, he's training somebody by Skype into Terrapoto. The only way in there is by airplane or four and a half days up the Amazon River. Iquitos, pardon me. And uh, so we go to Iquitos, and we meet the pastor and his wife and some other people who have been abandoned by the group of churches they were with, totally left alone, nobody there to care, nobody to love them. The pastor's wives are all depressed. They're not normally accepted or recognized in any official meeting. And so we began just to talk to them and encourage them and minister to the wives. And God changes that city. Keep Iquitos in mind. Iquitos is the most wicked city in Peru. It's where men from all over the world go to have sex with 10, 11, 12, and 13-year-old girls. And God's opened doors there. We now have 25, 20 to 25 pastors who are willing to be part of the Kingdom Network, which is not a denomination. It's just fellowship and love and support and care and saying to you, we'll get together with you once a month or once every two months We'll fellowship, we'll pray together, and we'll find out what your needs are. And if we can help you, we will do it. That's what God has challenged me to do, to bring the churches together, forgetting your doctrines. I mean, there's only one doctrine that will get you to heaven. That same one will put you in hell if you don't accept it. The rest of them don't make any difference. There were 13 denominations in Israel. They got along great for a while, then they started to fight each other, and they lost everything. You know why America is headed down today? We've got to quit fighting the other churches. And brothers, we've got to get together and start praying for one another to see God turn around. The only turnarounds in the church. I had the privilege of going down to the little village of Juan Nuevo Ancambamba. First North Americans ever to be in the village to preach. It's across the river from Ecuador, about 30, 60 miles somewhere in there from where the Elliott missionaries were slaughtered years ago. If that doesn't wake you up in the middle of the night and you lay there thinking about it. And then you find out about an hour and a half journey from there, they still take the heads of their enemies and shrink them. But I I want you to know, God goes before you. I met Abraham out of Terrapoto on a little island. His family has owned 80% of the island for over 200 years. 
I thought I was talking to a man who had been to, through his doctorate degree when I was listening to him. Never been there, never been to Bible college. And he began to tell me how God spoke to him one night in the middle of the night and said, if you'll do these things and then bless my church, I'll cause you to have the largest crops here. Plantain are normally about that long and maybe that big around. His are like this and like this. His pineapple are unbelievable. The cocoa he grows for chocolate, the largest I've ever seen in Peru and the most tasty. He said to me, God spoke to me, and he wants me to build a building right here to house men who need to be trained for the ministry. Right over there, God said, put the temple, the, the classroom, and put right over there the kitchen. And he, helped, he had me to bury three white stones with him that day as the foundation for the first building. And I said, I'll, I'll give you the curriculum. It'll be yours when you're ready to start You see, you are reaching people, and I want to encourage you with that. But today I want to talk to you about what has sustained me. I call it backward faith. In the book of Exodus, chapter 33 and verse 23, we're going to spend most of our time in this chapter. And it says, And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Have you ever struggled with your faith? Uh, have you ever been in the midst of your own personal wilderness? Anybody out there? Anybody ever had a test or a trial? If your hand's not up, you're lying to me. Or you need to get saved, one of the two. All right. Let me ask you, where are you this morning on your walk from Egypt, which biblically is a type of the world, to the promises of God? Where are you on that journey? Because you're on the journey. You see, you've been redeemed from Egypt. God has already removed the bondage. You are no longer a slave to your past. You have crossed over the Red Sea. You have been baptized into Christ. And your victory has been guaranteed. Think about it. In the midst of your struggle today. But by faith, you must walk out your deliverance. That's what we're doing. We're walking out the deliverance that has already been completed. It appears to the, the word wilderness can literally be translated or interpreted this way as the pasture where God feeds you. You say, well, wait a minute, there's no green grass in the wilderness. Oh, yes, there was. Or how did God, where did God get all the manna? Okay, he fed them in the wilderness. It was the pasture where God feeds. Your trial and your struggle is the pasture where God wants to bring you word from heaven to take you through it. So I'm here today to tell you biblical faith is developed by looking back. Some of you say, now wait a minute, Lot looked back. Lot's wife looked back. She became a pillar of salt. But what did she look back to? She looked back to the life she enjoyed. Not where God was taking her. You say, well, 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 Paul says, forgetting those things which were behind. What was he forgetting? If you'll read the context closely, he was talked, he said, forgetting my past life without Christ and persecuting believers and my attempts of the flesh to acquire righteousness, I press on for the prize that's mine. Three times in scripture, we're told that we have to live by faith. Now, whenever God mentions something three times, you need to pay attention. Habakkuk 2.4 says, Behold the soul of him that is, is puffed up, and it is not upright, 
but the just shall live by his faith. Romans 1.17 says it this way, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. (laughs) You don't like it this way, but from trial to trial. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38. Now look at this one. Now the the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. In other words, you're going to miss heaven, ultimately, if you don't change it. Now, my question now is, is faith something we acquire? Is it something we accumulate in order to live a life pleasing to God? I mean, listen to the way we talk and we hear people talk. God will remove the barriers in your life if you have enough faith. Well, what is enough faith? Or you need to have faith in order to see God bring about a miracle. Oh, she had great faith, Pastor. So God answered her prayers, but not mine. You see, what it makes it seem like is faith is some sort of cure-all, some medicine bottle we go to the drugstore to get from God to cure our lack of faith. You know, if I get enough of it, enough spiritual bottles on my shelf, I'll have the faith I need. We all want more faith, but how do we get it? How do I get there? Well, let me tell you, faith is not like a medicine. It's not something you can touch. In fact, the Greek word for faith has underneath it speaking about that which is apparent. It's what is apparent. uh, Something that's apparent is not really there, but it's there. Therefore, it's what we call assurance or guarantee or confidence. For me, it's a code word for something that's intangible. You can't bottle it. You can't store it except in your interactive exchange with a person. You have faith in people only because of a relationship you develop with them in communicating with them, in walking with them in your life. You don't have a relationship with somebody you don't talk to. (laughs) You know, the fact, the, the statement that faith is something you acquire is as misguided as the idea that children are something we own. No, they're given by God for you to raise for him. You're in a trust relationship with God in that one. In fact, the Hebrew word for faith, imanu, is, is really speaking about character. It's talking about the utter reliability, the quality of faithfulness of somebody. It means my faith is demonstrated by my actions, regardless of my circumstances. You see, if you and I do not act on the reliability of God, we don't have faith. Faith is relying on God's ability to do what he said he'll do in any circumstances. There's no qualifications. You can have a set of written beliefs and you can quote for me everything you believe. And I'm going to look at you and say, well, let me see your actions. Because if I don't see your actions, I don't believe what you're saying. In fact, Jesus said it this way. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I mean, how much faith does it really take to please God? Well, if faith is an action or trusting him, then I either act or I do not act. I either trust him or I don't trust him. I either have faith or I don't have faith. There's no exception. How do you get it? Well, God gives it to you by your actions. You got need faith today to get through a struggle, something's going on, your actions speak louder than your words. 
Because faith is based on our relationship with God. Now, taking those thoughts, let me move to this. Let's look at Moses that we read about. And I'm going to read here the words of Moses first and then God's response instead of reading it in the order you find it. Exodus 33, 12 and 13. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and see, thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Verses 15 and 16, he said unto him, if thy presence goes not with me. In other words, God, I don't care who you send, but your presence has to go with me. Do not carry us up from here. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Listen, the trials and struggles you're going through is because God is separating you unto himself so that you're a different people than the people of the world. Exodus thirty-three eighteen says, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Now listen to God's response. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. Verse 14, verse 17, and the Lord said unto Moses, I will do. This thing that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. By name means I know you by your character, what you do. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by. I will cover thee with my, I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Now, here's the heart of where I'm headed this morning with this. Now, listen carefully. Consider the challenge that Moses had just faced. He had been up on the mountain with God. He had come down, and they were returning back to their old ways. They had developed and built a a cow to worship, and they were going back to their old ways of living. Oh, so we've been delivered. They They were in a test. And they went back to their old ways. Come on, sometimes we do the same thing. You see, and Moses was as concerned about the future of the people and his, but he was more concerned about God's reputation. He was seeking assurance from God about the future. There was a crisis, but notice the end result. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Now why in the world would God show his back parts? Well, the Hebrew word for back part can also be translated as future. God said, I'll show you your future. Backward faith. God said, I've covered you. You can't see my face. But you'll see where I've been in your life. You see, there's a crucial difference in the Hebrew thought and the Greek thought. We are here in America of the Greek thought, not the Hebrew thought. For the Greeks, man faces his future by looking forward. For the Hebrew, it's like those people are in the boat race, and they're sitting backwards rowing. 
And in the back of the boat is the helmsman. And he's telling them, as they look back, they get to their destiny. What's happened in your life is setting up your destiny for tomorrow. The trials we go through, if we keep our eye on what God has done, will get us to what he's doing in our future. That builds faith. You see, because all we have to do is line our life up with what God's done in our past and let him direct our future. Do you hear me? You understand what I'm telling you? If you will look back at how God brought you out of your past struggles, you will see that God is taking you into your future, your destiny. I mean, look at it this way. How many of you read the Bible? Do you ever get excited about faith reading the Bible? That's the past. Why do you read Hebrews 11? Oh, you read about the great heroes of faith? No, they didn't get up one morning and say, today I'm going to be a hero. They just looked at God in their life and kept their eye on God and let him take care of the future. You see, I can't see the future, but I can see the past. Are you with me? I can't see my future, but I can see my past. And I know that the God who has taken care of my past has the future in control. How many of you have ever taken an exam? Anybody ever taken an exam or a test? Why? Some teachers may be trying to fail you, but not really. They're trying to get you to, accomplish, to recognize what you've learned so you can go into your future. That past test prepares you for the future. You know, like learning to add and subtract, multiply and divide, <laughs> moves you on to algebra and geometry and then calculus, which I did not get that far. I said, no. God is showing you today in your struggle how he's been with you in the past. And he said, I am the God, <laughs> you ready? I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is critically important. Listen to the way we think in America. Listen to the way we use the Greek culture in our life. We are encouraged to always look forward to the future for our security and our future. Ah, look what's ahead of you. Look where you're going. And so we, I, my opinion is we tend to live in, under an idolatry of the future. My security is not looking f- forward. My security is in the God of my past who has the responsibility for my tomorrows. I don't. I can't see into the future unless he gives me a revelation of something. And normally when he gives you a revelation of something, he doesn't tell you when it's going to happen or how. It's just a spotlight of something in your future. So the world is pushing us to ask, what are you going to be? You know, you, you, little, you walked up, look, what are you going to be when you grow up? Cowboy and Indian, they don't really know at that time. You know, the recent hero, Superman or something. What's tomorrow going to be like? I don't know. Where are we going? I don't know. But I know who holds my tomorrow because he held my past. So Moses sees God in the past where God has already been. God was teaching Moses a principle for his life in leading the people of Israel. You see, when you follow somebody, what do you see? They're back. Think about it. If we're following God, what am I seeing? His back. What's his back? A representation of where he's been in my life and what he's done. There's where your faith is. Because God goes before us, preparing the way for our future. But our future is determined by his past work 
in our life and our willingness to act upon what he said. You know why Israel ran, spent so many times, so many years running around Mount Sinai in the wilderness? Because they didn't respond the first time correctly. If you keep getting the same test, you've got to look at your actions. There's something missing. My favorite scripture in the word of God is Isaiah 50 and verse 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord? Anybody here fear God? How many of you that fear God obey the voice of his servant? Not looking. And says, okay, so you fear God and you're obeying the voice of his servant. See, there was a teaching a few years ago, if you're going through a trial of darkness, you don't have faith. That's a life in the pit of hell and the twisting of the word of God. Because Isaiah said, that walketh in darkness and has no light. He doesn't have an answer for why he's going through what he's doing, going through. And here's what he says, let him trust in the name of the Lord. If you don't have an answer for your test or your trial, what you're going through, just trust in the name of the Lord. You know, the enough God, El Shaddai. Or El Roy, the God who sees you in your struggle. Or Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Or Jehovah Rophi, the God who heals. Or Jehovah Nissi, God is my banner. We march under the banner of God. Jehovah Shalom, God is my peace. Jehovah Shama, Jehovah is there. And stay upon his God. There was a period of my life, when I walked through a darkness, and I look back, it was about three years long. My wife knew it. She said to me one day, how are you doing it? And I said, well, in the morning, I get out of bed, and I put one foot on the floor, and then I just walk. The Bible says, stay, remain on the recent God you had contact with. And so I lived for three years on the last revelation I had of God, and that took me through. And brought me out the other side. You understand what I'm telling you this morning? I don't care what you're going through. What all of you are going through together. Your faith for what you're going through is found in how God took care of you in the past. That God who met your last struggle hasn't changed. He's still the same God. Isaiah 25, 1 is another one. It says, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name. Why? Because you have done in the past. Here's what you've done. And I recognize what you've done. So I'm going to praise your name today in the midst of the worship in the house of God. Not based on how I feel or what's going on. But I'm praising you today because of what you've done in the past. Hallelujah. That's faith. Faith is not singing joyously because you necessarily feel joyous on the inside. Faith is singing joyously because of the God who has revealed himself to you in the past. You see, we build our faith on what we cannot see from what we have seen. Remember that old song? Count your blessings and name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. I won't sing because if I did, you'd all leave. That same verse continues and says, Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Your plan, what you have planned for me, my destiny is already established if I'll remember what you've done in my life. The character of God. You see, it's faith in what we don't see. Hebrews 11, 1 from the Amplified says, Now faith is the assurance the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for that is divinely guaranteed. 
And the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, the faith comprehends as a fact which cannot be experienced by the physical senses. I like that. You see, faith is based on my relationship with God, not something I can see, but I know it. The Message Bible says it this way. In fact, I'm going to read the first four verses. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith, there it is, is what is distinguished, what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. So it says, by faith we see the world called into existence by God's word, that what we see created by what we don't see. Then he says, it says, by an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. You see, there was an act that was different, and it expressed their faith. Abel said, my faith is in God. Cain said, my faith is in what's produced in this world. Faith goes beyond what you see. It goes beyond your physical senses that attempt to direct you. It's the existence of your foundational trust in God. Faith is an act, not a declaration. Though a declaration can be an act upon which you then perform, you do. But there's always that doing, that action. By your faith, you can see what you do not see because you trust in God. Child of God, Christian Heritage, listen to me today. God wants you to start looking back at the past and rejoicing in what he's done to take you through where you are today into your future. That's my assignment from God today for you. It's not where you are. It's in where you were and where God is taking you. There's been a connection in my heart since the first time I was here with this house. You haven't yet seen what God wants to do in your life as a body of believers. If you'll relate to one another and together relate to the God of your past, you'll move into your destiny. God didn't raise this church up for it to fail. He raised it up for his glory, not that of man. Amen? Do you understand what I've shared with you today? There were so many rabbit trails I wanted to run off on, but I had to leave you with the thrust of this. As you follow the, the path of the past for your future, God will take you there. And as you follow, don't look to the right or to the left, for you will only be sidetracked by something that's good, but it's not God. All of your faith that you need to go into your future as a body and individually is built on your past encounters with the God of your life. The God of your life is the God of the present and the future, and he's still declaring, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Father, these are your people. This is your word. I cannot act upon it for them. They have to act upon it. They have to look at the God of their past and keep their eyes on him. He's the helmsman in the boat today. On the sea of insecurity, on the sea of storms, he's the helmsman, and he sees the end. And if we'll see him, He'll lead us to that end and that destination. And we bless this house today in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. 
Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. 